0: But the the hardest truth about entrepreneurship is that it's tough. It's the toughest gig. It's, yeah. It is not for everybody. I'm broken white trash from South London. Single parent, drink drug addicts. Dad died when I was 11. Not that I knew him. An interesting, interesting, weird, and maybe it's not that interesting, but it's different. It's, maybe it's not not, I guess, the standard venture model. When you're doing something that you don't want to do over a period of time, it will chip and eat away at you. Mm. Um, conversely, I don't believe in doing a job that you love, and you'll never work a day in your life. That's bollocks. You need to fall in love with the business that does the content of the business that you're falling in love with, and then you need to transition from falling in love with the content to falling in love with how you do business. I yeah. mean, we all role play to go out into the street to buy a coffee. You're, you know, you, you, you know, however bad a state of mental health you wake up in, you put on your game face and you go to the office, or you go and buy a coffee, you go to lunch, you see a friend. So we're all acting to a degree every day. I think the first person you need to be vulnerable with is yourself.
1: So this is Vulnerable, the first founder mental health podcast powered by Founders Taboo. Let's get into it. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Awesome. Loving, Loving this place. What people don't see is the shit show that's just happened. I'm trying well, to set this up. Well, should
0: we fill them in on the shenanigans of a studio? <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> there is shenanigans. There's cameras and audio equipment and
1: cables everywhere. Um, but we've got there. It all works. It does somehow. Uh, this is the first time I've ever meeting you, apart yeah. from on LinkedIn. Yes, which I seem to spend most of my life now. Yes, it's a bit. I mean.
0: It's a bit of an, if I'm not an addiction. It's a bit of a funny. I love it and hate it. I think it's such a bad platform on so many levels. But then you know, if you're in business and you want to meet, the last two hires I've made have both been through LinkedIn. Really? And then I've met some fascinating. I met some kooky nut jobs. But then I wouldn't necessarily discount myself out of that list. Um, but it's a great. It's a great. I think when you tune into the right people and. I always believe in trying, everything I write on, there, try and make sure that it's something that's additive rather than just noise or a Facebook post or something. So I always try and share a lesson that I've learned, you know, that day or the, or the day before. So it's fresh in mind. Um, but I think it's kind of, it's kind of cool. I mean, obviously we're here because of it, so.
1: Correct. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, we were literally just talking about my last company, actually, yeah. before we came on it. And you were like, aren't you still doing the dog thing? Uh, No. Um, dog things. No, and you said you think most entrepreneurs are predisposed to some sort of. I think so. Yeah, I think so. So the yeah, the conversation. Statistically, off, off, you're right though. Uh, do you know the stats? I don't know. Seventy-three percent is it? Entrepreneurs.
0: Oh, what? See, I my personal take is that if most people were screened for some form of mental health challenge, some form of autism, ADHD, bipolar, whatever, however you want to square the circle of, of mental spectra, I think most people would be on some kind of scale of something. And I think it's so great that it's becoming much more discussed and open. Um, and I firmly believe that most of my entrepreneur friends having spent most of my time on the other side of the desk, not a VC. I spent 24 years fucking up founding and, and failing miserably as an entrepreneur. (laughs) So, um, and most of the most interesting people I know are on some form of spectrum Mm. and nearly all of the founders that I know are, entrepreneurs are or some, um, so I think it's great that it's more coming to the fore and being discussed, I think that's that's a wonderful thing. Uh,
1: Moving into your story in a sec but like in venture, Mm. with that in mind most founders are on some sort of spectrum, how do you personally tackle that or come to terms with that? Uh, the, I think one of the challenges, obviously in, ve- in venture, most
0: investors have a finance background. Most investors have come out of Goldman's or Bain or some form of consultancy or some mm. form of financial throughput, and they don't struggle with, that's the wrong turn of phrase, but they don't, they don't encounter the same levels of highs and lows, or the way that the, the entrepreneurs perceive them. And obviously, I'm generalizing to lose friends, but they just don't have that viewpoint. Now, that's a great thing, because sometimes you need people on the, on the board that are bean counters and are structured and legal financial heads, and you need the, you know, the founders who are going to bounce off the walls and make magic happen. And you need, you need all flavors to make a successful business. Um, but as a VC, I don't actively... I mean, I'll always discuss mental health and, and the different brain types. I find it fascinating. So I'll always discuss that completely openly. But I don't I don't um directively discuss it necessarily with founding teams, primarily because I don't think everyone wants to be that open about mm. stuff. You know, I don't ask you when you last went for a poo or are you menstruating or how do you feel about your wife? I don't ask you those things. So why, what gives me the right to discuss your mental health? But I'll make it patently clear just in my natural demeanor that I'm completely open for everything because life is complex and building a business is the hardest job on the planet. So, you know, I think most people that meet me would realize that, you know, it's not, it's not a challenge. We are, we are what we are. And as long as you can build a big business and you're venture backable, then, you know, game on. I was speaking to
1: somebody about you recently, actually, who was like, you need to have Dan on the podcast purely because you've got a fucking nut story going into <laughs> what you went into
0: yeah well as we were discussing this before we before we hit the record button i think most people have some kind of interesting story i guess mine is very not venture capital um i started off i went to a, i came i'm broken white trash from south london single parent drink drug addicts dad died when i was 11 not that i knew him an interesting interesting weird and maybe it's not that interesting but it's different it's maybe it's not not i guess the standard venture model um but got a got a scholarship to a very good private school boys school and i'm not academic but um i managed to get in and i managed to, to not get kicked out but then when i was 16 i got the opportunity to be um to go for a casting for for a modeling job which turned out to be quite a big modeling job and with one of i didn't know any of this at the time with a big vogue photographer and who was quite famous and um, i ended up with models one who were a big agency at the time the end of the king's road i'm six i was 15 or 16 i think that's 15. late late 15s early 16 so very young didn't really want to do it just was asked to do it when you know, I remember going home to see my mum. Said, "Well, just go. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Your legs aren't going to fall off. Take every opportunity. Go on, get out. Go, 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 go." So I went, and I found I found it very uncomfortable because I'm not a natural performer. I'm kind of an introvert wrapped in an extrovert's body. I'm not that's Same as me. I think people think that because I'm out there, I'm out there. I'm not. I, everything bothers me, and I get crushed by everything. And I, you know, most nights go to bed in some form of anxiety. So, um. But anyway, I went and then ended up doing that for two years, and then and then went for a casting for a pop video, which turned out to be for a for a band, um, Simon Cowell's first boy band in the, this was late eighties, early nineties, and then we signed in ninety, and then started recording in ninety one, so a year of singing and dancing lessons to his record to later. Arista Records, where Simon was was the was the A and R man there, and then did that for three years. But I'm just not. He unnatural. must have been a talented singer. No, can't sing a note, can't dance a step. I, I could do enough to get away with being in the background and and I could sing enough to hold a note in the backing track but there are so many clever dials and twiddles that you can do that help you get away with that stuff. So I just, I just took an opportunity that came my way. Um, I feel quite guilty because I was obviously taking the opportunity from somebody <laughs> who was musical and could perform. I did it for three years and had a blast and then left and realized that, you know, I got to the point where we started making really good money, traveling a lot, but I was just miserable. When you're doing something that you don't want to do over a period of time, it will chip and eat away at you. Mm. Um, conversely, I don't believe in doing a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life that's bollocks. You need to fall in love with the business that does the content of the business that you're falling in love with. And then you need to transition from falling in love with the content to falling in love with how you do business. And I think that's the that's the successful people do that. Um and then you get into the realms of do founders make great CEOs? Which they tend not to because of the stuff that we've discussed before. their founders are a specific character set and CEOs are, I think, a amazing ceos are a different specific character set but yeah so i I did some amazing things and then and then and then became unemployable what do you do once you've been in in a band i did some tv presenting for a couple of years kids tv um the ozone broom cupboard children's channel
1: stuff for kids or kids and tweens tv that was good fun and and just quickly as an introvert wrapped in extroverted rappers yeah how how did you find that experience of being on TV? Surely that would have been your worst nightmare. It is. And it's exposing because the best people don't give a shit. And
0: yeah, they just yeah, yeah. go on. And the, some of the best entrepreneurs I know, they're almost, but well, they are, you know, most ceos and entrepreneurs also there's a sociopathic psychopathic you know, i don't care what you say i'm just going to do it anyway i'm going to sell my grandma to, yeah. mate. so there's that there's that side and there are, <laughs> there are a lot of people like that in in tv where they're they're just very good they're they're either acting and it's all a blank canvas and there's not much behind the scenes or you get like in actors you get people like um uh, sean connery or michael Caine or was bob Hoskins. they play themselves so every film you watch you're watching sean connery play a role because he can't get around you know he is who he is he it's his character that you fall in love with it's the sean connery role but if you watch someone like um gary oldman or robert de niro or daniel day lewis they're this kind of method character and they absorb and become Mm. another thing um so i think there's um i don't know where i was going with that but there's there's
1: obviously different different character sets that uh that, uh, that, that you can fill roles with. So, so do you we'll, get into character? Wait, or did you get into character when you were on when Yeah, on you do,
0: but everyone role plays. I mean, yeah. we all role play to go out into the street, to buy a coffee, You're, you, know, you, you, you know, however bad a state of mental health you wake up in, you put on your game face and you go into the office, or you go and buy a coffee, you go to lunch, you see a friend. So we're all acting to a degree yes. every day, um, some more than others. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily inauthentic to be that i think what's wonderful which we've kind of all already broached is the the ability nowadays for us to have a more meaningful conversation so put the put the game face on but still say i'm you know i'm really struggling today or i feel like an ass or whatever it is um but yeah i think we're always we're always always acting and i always try and put on the game face and act but also also share the reality behind the scenes so if somebody asks me how are you i will tell them i will tell them the truth Rather than say, I'm fine, how are you? And then we can have a conversation. I'll always say, Man, you know, I just had an argument with the wife, or my son's sick, or whatever it might be. I'll always say a, a version, not necessarily to make them feel uncomfortable, but just to not have the, how are you, I'm fine, how are you, I'm fine, mm. bullshit, because that doesn't make the world a better
1: place. Casted on TV. Loved it? I loved...
0: <clears throat> I... The, I have you know people say to you Do you have any regrets? I've got no regrets. I, well, I wish i spent more time working at how to do TV and being a good TV presenter. That's a real skill. It takes a long time. Whenever you watch mm. somebody when they first become a TV presenter, they look really awkward, and you can see the facial movements and the sound of the voice. It sounds weird, and you go, I don't want to watch this person. It takes a long time, about a year, and I never really got good at it. Um, I got nearly, I got nearly not painful to watch. i I never got past the i kind of can't watch Mm. this guy
1: bit um but you know i'm who knows maybe maybe in the coming years i'll go back to tv presenting is an unbelievable skill actually it's something that i'm dabbling in myself at the moment i'm recording a documentary yeah on entrepreneur mental health
0: that's great that's a
1: great topic and it is so hard I had no idea how hard it was. Are
0: you doing are you doing noddies to the camera? Are you yeah. doing to, Yeah, it's really hard speaking to an inanimate object. Yeah, and and being a human
1: it, yeah. it's it's really difficult That that is really tough. Yeah. Um and also making sure you look directly into camera. Yes. And not And you only have to look elsewhere. an inch
0: above or to the side and and you're already not yeah. and making you know eye it, contact, yeah. yeah.
1: Um it's something that I just want to get more into just keep doing it keep doing it really. just keep
0: doing it keep every opportunity do video diaries every opportunity come into a studio just keep doing it until we get to the point where you can speak to a, a black box like you can speak to a human well
1: yeah try and speak to this
0: i can't i mean if like you look box. at all the good tv presenters, i know mean, gary lindica has been in the news recently i remember it was 20 years ago he started on match of the day yeah i mean i'm not a football fan but i would watch bits and pieces and he was painful for over a year he was he only got away with it because he was Gary Lineker. He was bloody painful for a good part of a year, maybe more, to watch. But you forgive and he's Gary Lineker and everything's fine. But it, it, takes, it takes people a while. What did you do after that? So it did, so yeah, so modelling, band, TV presenting. Then I was in the wilderness. I was, uh, I would split up with my girlfriend who was also in a band and, and doing very well. And we broke up and I went back to my mum's with a portable TV and fuck all else and, when i left the band i had to had to close my bank accounts, so i didn't have any money really yeah I'd, I'd signed a five album deal and we were we were still we were only after one album i was still paying the record company back i mean you're not you're not rich at that point and wow. being in a boy band you're not writing the songs um so the writers and the all the back services to music quite rightly get the lion's share but the performers unless they're singer-songwriters with publishing rights they don't earn that much really so we were earning a lot in the, uh, the gigs we were doing. Some of them were quite big and quite lucrative. You could earn tens of thousands a day for doing whatever, yeah. you, whatever arena you were doing or big – they were big in the pubs. Some of the festivals were quite big. And that was good money. But the, um, the actual recording piece, you, you were very, very poor. So you made your money in merchandising, in endorsements, in gigs, some of the gigs. Um, but I didn't, I didn't see much of that. And then when I left, I, had no, I, I was cut off so i'm 23 22 what did the wilderness feel like
1: awful horrific it's something I was... I, i'm kind of in at the moment i call it the entrepreneurial wilderness yeah but was... it's not i
0: bet it's not that dissimilar and you, it's a lack of identity you've got this yeah. h- how long were you building your business for two years <sighs> last one so there's 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 this kind of heightened energy and passion and the build up and the doing and the starting and then all of a sudden it's not your routine and it's not part of your daily fabric mm. and it, when it gets ripped away it, there's an identity piece i think is very powerful that, that when businesses close people have to yeah come to terms
1: with in some way my first company when i left that uh yeah i was suicidal after that yeah i bet couldn't deal with the loss of identity what did you do i built a weight loss tech company with my mum that was the business that
0: you didn't close this was the,
1: this, no, was the this that, I, I left it because um again because of my mental health yeah that business is still going and my mum's built it into a multi-million pound revenue revenue company each year it's really amazing and then you left and then went on to i went i built another company with a friend um and kind of it didn't go anywhere but uh and then i spent uh, kind of six months, taking another break and then start building so Is Luna. it
0: because you give everything and then you break? Do you push yourself to breaking point? Is that is yeah. that the common pattern? Correct. And what are you doing to counter that? Figuring it out. Okay. Are you getting help? Yes. Are you, are you working with people?
1: Yeah, so I'm literally I'm seeing some, my psychiatrist tomorrow. Okay. And that's been, it's, it's just been a, a massive journey. We, we only really found out about the kind of more into the medical side of bipolar. Yeah. Uh, seven weeks ago. Okay. So it's been a crazy... what? Right. How did you feel when you got your diagnosis? I felt pretty good. I It was nice to know there was something... It, I just wasn't crazy, you know? Well, you are crazy. Yeah, yeah sorry. It was nice to fine. know that I... I'm crazy, but it's treatable.
0: (laughs) I think everyone is, and you obviously have flavors that are seriously affecting you. Um, And I personally believe it's about the understanding and the acceptance of all of this. 100%. Not about fixing, removing, deleting. I personally believe that it's about, that's a really, the brain is an amazing thing. Yeah. And it's that, it's that connection to whatever... Our flavors, because we're throwing those spidergram, whatever those charts are, we'd all everyone would
1: be all over the place. Yeah, 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 And who wants to be in a circle? No, I wouldn't be me if I didn't exactly. And and, and this this allows me to go and do crazy shit like starting podcasts and. Starting so, are companies. you
0: using the podcast as part of your therapy?
1: Is that part? Is that part I, of the I learning? I think in I yes and no. I didn't intend for it to be part of my therapy. Mm. I am intensely interested in entrepreneur mental health, and how we can build a better ecosystem basically what would you do differently with the ecosystem yeah i would talk more about it i have a challenge to this go tell me what you think
0: so i read a lot and write a lot about imposter syndrome mental health challenges the 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 kind of the founder struggle in the broadest sense i also fear for a lot of people being defined by it yes because i don't think it serves you well and especially from the investor perspective and from the client perspective we need to hear Mm. what we need to hear you need to tell us what we need to hear so there's this balancing act that i find between being candid and authentic and open and actually getting on with a job in the way that the job needs to be gotten on with and i'm always conflicted as to where the line Mm. in the sand is as to where you should be completely open and candid and straightforward about stuff that's going on and where you should put on the game face and get on with the job and almost to be not discussed and i don't know how
1: you feel about that hey can i ask a massive favor can you subscribe to this podcast right now if you haven't already your subscribes your sharing, your liking, your commenting all over social media is increasing our reach. And it's meaning that founders out there know it's okay to talk about their mental health. Thank you.
2: Vulnerable, a Founders to Be podcast, has been created to raise awareness on the highs, lows, and taboos of the founder journey, to amplify the raw and unfiltered stories of founders, and to remind those listening that they are not alone. Founders Taboo is a movement dedicated to improving access to support for founders' mental health and well-being in order to build a healthier startup ecosystem as a whole. Entrepreneurship is undeniably hard, but it doesn't have to cause hardship. We know that entrepreneurship is often lonely, but it doesn't have to be. Our support includes a safe space to take off the mask and interact with fellow founders in a free online community. You can access hundreds of psychologically informed resources and exercises to build up your mental health literacy. You can source and connect with startup and well-being professionals. You can participate in live support sessions, attend retreats, and much more. We want to promote mindfulness and entrepreneurship, harmony rather than conflict between health and building a business. And this all starts with speaking out and breaking some taboos. Join the movement. All founders are welcome. Follow us on LinkedIn to keep up to date and get involved
1: i th- I think for me it's the other way around i didn't feel like I could properly get on with the job because mm. of what's been going on there was it was always just n- nagging slightly i i was never i've never been stable, and what I mean by stable is everybody's unstable <laughs> in some way shape or form, but mm. it's either up there or or down there and actually, I would like to be like that, and that to me is is a just being able to kind of cope um and being able to tackle the roller coaster of being a founder in a better way um when you said defined what how would you say you're defined or somebody is defined by their diagnosis i well i
0: when you are building a young business, and you're starting out as a founder, you've got the hardest job on the planet. Yep. So there's, there's kind of two sides to the answer. One is, you, you need to almost, and it's, this is changing, which I'm glad that, glad that it is, you kind of need to build this, this machine-like persona, this front, this like, we're going to go and kill the world and save everything, do everything. And then on the flip of the coin, there's, there's the, there's the reality that's going on in your head and and how you're feeling as a human. And are you connecting with your family and loved ones and partners and friends? And, and I always fear that there's some, a, a layer of schizophrenia and thinking like that. Mm. Um, but the, the hardest truth about entrepreneurship is that it's tough. It's the toughest gig. It's, yeah. it is not for everybody. No. And you are going to be put into situations which I mean, I've sat in the corner and been in pieces, you know, when I couldn't make payroll and there's twenty people waiting to be paid, and HMRC are coming around and tagging equipment because they're gonna they're gonna reclaim your kit because you can't pay the bills, and and dealing with I, so and that those kinds of things are going to break you. And so there's this whole being you know being seen to be and this kind of persona side, and then there's this. Um, there's the backstory of you and, and how you're doing and what you're doing. Now, and this is the, 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 the torn piece, which is how do, you, how, do you, how do you square that circle? How can you be authentic and candid and open and, 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 and genuinely who you are and be this persona at the same time? And I think you can, my, my approach to this, which I'm not saying should work for everybody, but my approach to this is I am completely out there I'm amazing, I'm brilliant, this is gonna be awesome, building the thing. But but behind the scenes, and sometimes I'm selective with this, with certain people or in certain situations, I can be quite open and bring in the authenticity and I try and always have that duopoly. And I, I fall foul of this often because I'm a venture capitalist and I'm I'm amongst people who don't think like this. I'm very unusual in that way. Most VCs are financially, have a financial history as we've discussed. And they don't talk about mental health and they're not open and candid about life, love, the universe and the pains and trials and tribulations. So, and, and my LPs that invest in my firm don't necessarily want to hear my truth. They don't, and to a degree, what do I matter? To a degree, I don't matter, but I also want to build a founder focused firm that is open and, discusses these things and comes on podcasts with wonderful people like you to talk about founder mental health so i can't quite i haven't quite found a way to codify and to structure that but i'm supremely pleased that the topic is on the table i do think that founders especially should be very aware of when they show their true colors and i don't think they should let imposter syndrome or talking about fundamental define their their persona i think that's dangerous i think their persona should be around we are building an incredible business we're going to kill the world we're going to do whatever our mission is it might be lifestyle it might be premium it might be venture scale who who cares building whatever you want to build but that comes first and then the the you as the persona as the personality and and the truth behind that perhaps comes behind. Um, because I, I just fear otherwise it defines you, and I don't want it to define people. Mm. I saw Simon Sinek the other day, yeah. who talking about it being lonely. I think that, but if he came out before "What Is Your Why" or whatever his I forgot where his book was titled, but that there's massive kind of entry onto the scene of, you know, starting with why I think it was called. Yeah. If he came out with, you know, I'm I feel lonely, and I don't think he would have got the same to the same level of degree of no, status had he let that define. His journey I think it was, he could do it the other way but but as I'm saying this I'm also thinking at the same time why not I mean why not but I, I just don't think that's how the world works I think people are scared of truth
1: I think, I think so I think people are also scared of the impact vulnerability can have
0: yeah I, I think the first person you need to be vulnerable with is yourself and yeah. you're going through your journey now and your, your diagnosis and your discovery and you're going through your version of that and you'll find all kinds of healthy and unhealthy ways to cope and to deal um, I have got, I'm old now. So I've got to the point where I actually quite like the the fuckery. I quite enjoy the, the, the lows and the highs because I find I can third party it now and I can see myself going, Oh God, I feel awful. I mean, this is sometimes quite debilitating, but I'm quite intrigued why the brain does these things. And that's my way of coping with it. It's like, Oh, okay. That's, that's what's happening with my brain pattern right now. And Happiness is not a neutral state. No, we are not designed to be happy. We're designed to be hungry, or scared, or angry, or upset. I mean, that's that's the human condition. I think we have one word for happiness and about fifty million gazillion for negative emotions. And there's a reason for that because we need to go and club dinosaurs, or hunt for berries, or do whatever it is that that were the starting points of these anxieties and insecurities. anyway I'm waffling now. Sorry.
1: We started talking <laughs> about well, we were talking about wilderness um yeah and how that felt
0: yeah yeah yeah. being in the wilderness i think you have to be i mean there are times in your life that they will naturally appear yes regardless of your mental spectrum everyone will go through a breakup death divorce disease everyone goes through stuff where they have and sometimes the protracted periods of low can be can be wilderness which i would define as that kind of crushing loneliness where you feel so isolated and so vulnerable and so empty and so pointless mm. that nothing makes sense. You look mm. in the mirror and God, I don't even fucking want to live. What's the point in this? Yeah. This, is, this is just utter misery. And that, that, for a protracted period of time, is what I would call the wilderness. And that's, that's a miserable state to be in. That's a truly miserable state to be in. It's horrible. Yeah. It's
1: horrible. Where are you at on that spectrum now? That's a great question. November through till February, I was not in a good place with it. Yeah, I was kind of what you've just described. Like, what's the fucking point?
0: Yeah, like it goes from nihilism to destruction. Yeah. I think. Yeah,
1: and then and and then it's like, well, like, who's going to employ me again? Am I employable? Like,
0: but you're unemployable not because of your mental health. You're unemployable because you've been a founder.
1: I know. You can't go that's and get the, a job. That's the funny <laughs> that's, thing. Yeah, that's the thing that screws and you. And I've been trying to like. Dabble my, dabble back into companies, working with a couple of founders I know really well. I, I end up trying to lead the business, of in some sense, You're a founder, and having to hold, rein that back in is 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 bizarre. Oh, that's good. That you have the self awareness to do so. But also, the wilderness for me is like, well, now I've got to befriend it and look at it as a positive thing because actually, I, I've now tried to use it as a way to lean into various different things. Yeah, and be like hmm that's really interesting and not just being myself up about it
0: because that's, that's what we tend to do you're right I think the first thing is because most people think that love is uh, some kind of egocentric love I love you or I love myself in some kind of egocentric way love is actually acceptance Yeah, love I think the root of love is there's the, there's just a resonance and you just sit into something and that's that's how I've always perceived dealing with mental distress is just this kindness and this going back to love and just mm. kind of accepting and sitting in the misery and going, ooh, I don't like this very much. This is kind of miserable. That, that I think, elevates you to a third-party perspective, which ultimately gives you your power and is and is one of the healthiest coping strategies I've ever learned over years. And it took lots of practice because when you first fall into your pit of despair, you want to subconsciously revel in it. You want to use it and woe Mm. is me and Mm. fuck the world how fucking dare you treat me like this (laughs) so true but actually you can consciously remind your subconscious that you know you are not your brain and you can you can
1: disassociate yourself and you can third party that conversation Mm. how did you practice that because that's one of the big things i've constantly over the years been like how if a therapist or whoever i'm seeing at the time talks about that i'm like yeah but how actually do you do that well you've already said you've already given me the
0: answer you said you leaned into it and every time you you've got the self awareness piece because you've mentioned that in multiple guises in the in the last 20 minutes so you have the self-awareness piece so you'll know when you're sinking Mm. and you'll get a sense for the depth and you'll get a sense for i also believe when you're at your lowest lowest low that is almost there's almost nowhere else to go so you've been you know, th- having three months at some point in there, you were at the lowest of the lowest of the low. So you know your own, you know your own kind of graphic equalizer spectrum, if you like. So you yeah. have some context. So you know when you're hitting those depths, you go, okay, I'm going, I'm, I'm on my way. Uh, you know, this is this is going to be a tough period of time. Yeah, you know, drinking water, getting more sleep being more social, doing more exercise, eating. You know the staples Mm. to create your baseline. You know that if you do the right things, you'll be able to stop the depth and stop the length and amplitude of of whatever pit you're going to fall into. So you... Sometimes we don't want to, you just want to go fuck the world and, you know, eat chocolate and sit on the sofa with our thumbs up our asses. And that's fine. Sometimes you have to just, you know, be the, be the misery. But if you start building in the baseline, you start, you start leaning in and going, okay, right, well, this is not going to be fun for a period of time. And just listen to your body. Just stop and go, ah, I really don't like this. What's happening there? And what's the worst that can happen to me? Now my legs aren't going to fall off. And you start talking in the third person And sometimes out loud, sometimes speaking out loud is much more powerful than keeping as an inner monologue. Say the words. I don't like this. Mm. I don't like who I am right. I don't like my life. What's going on? And then use that as the reminder to put your staples in play. Your water. You won't want to sleep because your your sleep goes. Actually,
1: um, I'm very good with sleep. Oh, amazing. amazing. So sleep's been the most important thing for me. Because I find it triggers, those, trigger. triggers the massive highs and the massive lows. Are you drug
0: sleeping? Are you taking not. stuff? You're doing this naturally? Yeah. Okay, because I know lots of people that will do the, from melatonin all the way to the much more serious, and I do yeah. not think that's the answer. No, no, no,
1: neither. For me, it's it's all about getting your sleep hygiene on point. Yeah. It's yeah. going to, I'm I'm in bed by nine.
0: Yeah and oh, everyone has oh, 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 a different six. version of that some Correct. people take i take magnesium half an hour before i go to sleep S- so do i that really helps um i don't my screens don't bother me no so i'll watch T. i'll watch some mindless something to fall asleep whereas some people cannot watch anything mm. with a screen and i've got an aura ring one of those yeah, um, yeah. sleep trackers so i yeah. try and try to work out what because I, I know that sleep is a massive trigger mm. oh but good that's great that you. and ice bathing
1: as well has been yeah yeah yeah. Big for me. Cold, cold water cold water has just been unbelievable. Have you done any of the um Oh you're taking the piss. Who's calling me Min? <laughs> <laughs> Hello mum. Fuck's sake. Are you doing um have you been up to like Finland? Have you done any any of the proper Icy No, that's where I want to go next. Yeah. Because I started this little community called called the Cold Water Club. Where do you do it in London? In... My first meetup was um <laughs> on Saturday. Okay. And was it like a bunch of tin baths in a park? <laughs> it was Parliament Hill <laughs> Lido, which pretty much is, yeah, a very large tin swimming yeah. pool. Yeah. Uh, Unheated. 11 degrees. Right, okay. You would be amazed at the amount of people that are in that lido. I
0: know people that do um, the Serpentine.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to become a member there, but yeah. uh, I want to do more more of these events where I can bring people to... Yeah. And they can get into cold it's water. It's a great, it's yeah. a great thing. Eighteen people signed up. Three people came. There you go. And I was humbled. I was like, "Wow, you can have all the LinkedIn followers you you, you have in the world." And Wait, just put yourself in their shoes. Correct. Right. I've signed up to go and um, yeah, be meet, miserable for yeah, meet, an hour. meet somebody I've never met before on a Saturday morning at ten o'clock in the yeah. morning when it's drizzling. Yeah. And to get into eleven degree water. Yeah. How about what now? Fuck I, I was I was drunk. I was on Tinder all night. And, yeah. he, and how about yeah. now? Yeah. But three founders came down.
0: Okay.
1: And I was like, that's that's really cool. But once you once you
0: built up, that will grow. I, that, I definitely think that that yeah. that kind of thing will grow.
1: Well, we, I started this WhatsApp community uh, three weeks ago. One hundred and twenty-five people now in eighteen countries right. are in that. Why didn't you just
0: do London though, and do the, like the Huberman challenge and get everything? Because Andrew Huberman does—he will talk in very practical terms at all of these kind of almost ring fence time boxed things to do. Yeah, and you could do something. You could build up almost like some kind of regime routine around yeah. whomever it doesn't have to be him or his what he says. But.
1: I'm uh, I'm interested by people's thoughts on how to properly or not properly, but how to build something like that. I think if you if you set out the in a London venue yeah
0: you know at 7am on a Saturday morning we're going to be doing something and you build up that I think that'd be really useful people yeah. really useful
1: yeah um how do we get into cold Water? oh sleep oh yeah, sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah we were yeah, talking yeah. about
0: coping strategies it's, and leaning into and yeah, third yeah. partying all the all the shenanigans yeah so I think you all of those things I think the other challenge I always find is that most people think there is some kind of instant fix. Yes. Well, I've done my things. Why am I not fixed? It's like, no, 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 no. There's always a period of inertia and a learning. You're being taught a lesson. Listen to the lesson. So do the water, do the diet, do the sleep, do all the things that you know you need to do. But that doesn't mean just because you've done all those things for a week that you're going to feel better. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a cadence and a kind of a, a rhythm a rhythm to these things and you can you know when you're going down then you start to know when you're not feeling like such an asshole, and then you might drip a bit and then you kind of come up and i think if you once you've got whatever works for you as a pattern then that can become your your rock almost your anchor to your coping strategy and i think that's that's the thing that kind of helped me the most i think you, you don't
1: this. have to go into like um specific founders but like in your Experience so far as a VC and also a founder, and people who you've known for a long, long time now. Like, where where are we getting this wrong as founders? Because I know where I got it wrong which on the was, mental health side. Yeah, like we're not. I typically we're not really. We don't really pay attention to the staples. We just go and build a fucking company. And
0: yeah, and best. you go and get drunk and yeah, laid yeah, yeah.
1: and do drugs
0: and and go and do whatever. But I think there is. There's an element of it that's needed. I think there's an element of the dysfunctional brain, and that's, these I'm using the wrong terms, they're too negative, these terms. There's an element of a different brain set and a different way of thinking that creates the magic. You won't be able to write that sales email, entice that person to come and work with you unless you have these kinds of slightly off-center magical ways of processing, you just, We just don't. I don't think founders do so i don't think there's anything wrong with any of the any of the dysfunction i think when it affects business and when it negates or or detracts from business that's a, that's going to be a challenge and you just have to have the self-awareness piece so no one's turned it on no one's turn it off and i don't think necessarily founders are getting it wrong on the mental health state in that way um but i am a big believer in the kind of stuff we were just talking about which is building the war chest, getting that baseline, getting the coping strategies, sharing with people that you're going to go on a journey, working on sleep, focusing on diet, exercise, working out the routines that work for you, because fit in body, fit in mind, that whole cheesy statement, getting your your proverbial together, you won't always operate at that level. But once you've got that baseline understanding, and you've done the baseline pieces, if you can, then the the rest of it sits on top. And if you do fall off your perch, then you know, roll with it. It's, it's fine. What company did you build as a founder? So I built four. Just sort of fifth. Five. Now, it sound, it's really unimpressive. So the first business I did, I was an uh, accidental SaaS business. It was called the Engine like Room. It was an IT services business. So I loved it's
1: helping people with tech. Business, really well, good.
0: we ended up bundling loads of other bits and pieces and then built a platform around effective all of the services that we were installing in these SMEs. So it became, it was, this was late nineties, very early 2000s. became an accidental SaaS business. Then there was a social media platform, which like an early hoot suite for brands, like a war room for brands. And then there was a, what came after that? Then there was a video, video interviewing platform. Then there was the, um, the VIP ticketing system for the Olympics. Actually that came before the video. Um, but I've always been, more involved with experience and more excited by experience than outcome. So I've sold stuff and I've made some money and I've invested and I've lost most of it, but I don't really care about money. I don't, the money is never the outcome for me. What the outcome for me is the, has always been the experience. Like try this, try and build this thing, try and sell this thing, try and build something around a a movement or a thing, which has not always served me well because had I been more focused and more just focused on outcome and and driving revenue and driving customers and building a big business i could have built much bigger businesses than i did and they were early millions in revenue most of them but sold for peanuts and just to get me out so i had a few quid to go and start the next thing so when you talk about like four x's they were kind of who gives a fuck exits um but that was that was mostly by design. It was mostly because I don't really care. I don't really I don't need. I mean I had the Porsches, the Ferraris and the the first class holidays and the swanky has. I'm not none of that motivates me. So now I'm older and I've got two very small children. I want and I've basically everything I've ever earned has been invested in my fund and another so i'm kind of like i need to think differently now and be a bit more focused on outcome for them and be a bit bit less of a dickhead and be a bit, bit more secure and thoughtful around cash but i can't say i will ever be motivated by it
1: how big a um change has having kids been for you i say that i in was the context 46 of...
0: when my son was born so really? my, my son's five so i'm 50 now and it's just magical the whole thing is magical the whole thing had i done it with the wrong woman or at the wrong time in my life it would have been the flip reverse it Mm -hmm. would have been the most soul destroying misery because i feel and sense everything not being with the mother of my children or not being involved in my child's life would have would have destroyed me and i that would have been another wilderness moment in time of depth and length um but I married the most incredible woman and I have two happy, healthy children who are four and two, nearly five and three. And it's just the most incredible thing. It's uh, utterly life-changing, not something you can ever explain to you. Do you have kids? No, we're trying. So it's just... It, I'm, I'm kind of petrified about it. Yeah, actually. So you should be. It's, but, and so you should be and, and again lean into that. Yeah, I hate that because that's a Shel Sandberg phrase. So I can't stand that woman, but it is a case of si- <laughs> sitting in it and just kind of r- just really rolling with it and just go, oh my god, because it'll be a roller coaster.
1: I Don't. see these videos on TikTok of of kind of dads seeing their kids for the first time, and it just makes me all gooey. Yeah, I'm, quite, I'm a very emotional man. Dan. I know you are. I can sense. Um, I can and, sense. But equally, I'm 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 not desperate to have kids, but I. I think oh, I'm getting married June the tenth, right? This year. where are you get you getting married in Pinner. Okay, so is, that's that family, I, is that family? Is that family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where my parents live. Uh, we live in Putney. Yeah, um, but we're actually moving up to Eastcote, which is just next to Rice Lip and Pinner. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, um, it's. I'm just. I'm, twenty nine almost. Yeah. yeah, and I'm ready. I'm like I feel like I'm going on forty nine.
0: <laughs> well, there is no good time. There is no right no, time. I've been told there that. is no wrong time. Yeah. I'm lucky cuz I'm a deviant and cooked. I'm lucky I did it later in life because I know I would have screwed it up earlier and well maybe i wouldn't maybe it takes the right person i don't know but i
1: think you're being harsh on yourself
0: i feel i'm very immature i'm a child i'm you part of the challenge you have if you have mental health challenges when you when you go through stuff in your younger years and you would have gone through stuff in your younger years because i guarantee that would be part of what's affecting you now you get trapped part of your psyche development gets trapped at that age or that era in your life yeah so i'm very much trapped in Early teens, late teens, when I went through a lot of disruption and challenge, up into my early twenties, and I know that I'm partly stuck. <laughs> so when I look in the mirror, I go, "Who's this old guy looking back at me?" Because mm. because part part of my yeah. and what are you stuck in the 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 drama and the circular distress wheels that we get stuck in. So. Um, partly you will never be able to go back to the worst moments in your because i don't believe you can your body will ever let you go to the depths in the same way but you go to different depths in different ways um but i think you get i think my senses and i'm not a therapist i don't know this but my senses you kind of get trapped in these drama cycles mm. where you start to ruminate and there's some subconscious stuff that sometimes when you're young young you don't have the vocabulary or the knowledge to unravel that stuff. So as you grow as an adult but you've been through something as a child and you couldn't understand it then, it manifests in different ways mm. as an adult and you get trapped in these drama loops mm. where you haven't quite resolved something but you can't resolve it and that comes back to that love and acceptance piece you have to go yeah, God, that was a bit shit, interesting, thoughtful, you know, whatever. Um and kind of accept it. I don't think you can ever cope with it because I mean, there are some therapists that will that will help you through hypnosis or other techniques to go back to certain periods in your life. I'm not sure what I subscribe
1: to there, but I think you should try. everything a Oh, then try everything. Jeez. I've, I've I've tried it a lot. It's 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 good. I I'm just um, I think it works up to a point. You have to you have to really again lean into it, yeah. um, and really get on board with the practice because it's very woo woo.
0: I think I tried EFT. Have you ever tried the tapping? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried EFT once, and I had, I had what he called astral projection, where I left my body. Really? So I left the room. So we were doing whatever this tapping. He was he was asking me questions. It was about my dad dying and about him being my dad as a young man being stuck in the corner room. We went through this like long narrative, and he was weaving. It was quite an amazing individual, Mark something. I can't remember his surname, but then I was tapping. You do the tap and. Mm. The, and apparently, it's a way of kind of almost um, tricking your subconscious into being imprinted with a new memory. Or so he starts, you go through the negative version of the story, then you go through the positive version of the story while you're tapping. And I think it's something to do with kind of re imprinting the brain, because that's what the brain is a big computer that can be programmed. And as we were doing this, I left my body so I could see the top of my head and then I could see the top of the room and I could see all of the things on the counters, the plates and the kitchen, the newspaper on the table. then I went through the roof of the house and I have quite bad vertigo. so I got to about a hundred feet and I started getting a fear of heights and then I got sucked back into my body but i I know this sounds weird no it I doesn't. genuinely genuinely left my body and felt like I was two hundred foot in the air. That's extraordinary. yeah, I only did it the once it, it was an that's amazing a hell of a session. But it was an amazing reminder of how powerful the brain is. Because obviously I didn't leave my body. I'm still sat in my meat and protein sack over there. So, but it was an amazing reminder of how the how the brain is working out. You're sitting here and the TV monitors are there, and none of this is real. And you actually only pick up like every third frame, but the brain fills in the rest because otherwise you'd just be exhausted because it needs to pattern match. So it just reminded me of how the brain is this this kind of weird, wonderful, programmable thing that does all these things that aren't always necessarily going to make you feel good. Mm. Um, what do you love about venture? Nothing much. <laughs> I love startups. I love startups. I love founders. I love building new things. I could give two shits about being a VC. I don't particularly really? like the industry. What well, don't um, you like about it? it's not it's i so to me so in my head founding and then i was angel investing and interim ceoing and dicking around and i didn't have that much money but i do like 5 10 20 50k here and there whatever it was and then then it felt natural to go well i want more money to invest so i want to do millions per ticket not 20k or whatever it was so set up a fund take other people's money put on I put all my money in and take other people's money in and invest and now our average ticket size for fund two is about a million pounds. But what I didn't realize was that it's all just kissing people in the ear and LPs and spreadsheets and term sheets and I don't give a shit. I don't care. And also I'm not building anything even though my firm is still, it's only a second fund five years old so it's still a startup investing in startups. I don't care about any of that stuff. I only care about building and working with founders and building new things to change the world in new ways. My personal purpose is to build things that help people. Yeah, that's all I want to do. And I've chosen business because you can have the most impact if you get the efficiency and productivity in business right. You can have the most impact. That's it's the thing that I can help move, move the needle for more in the most. As in, if we really want to kind of change what how we work and impact on climate and water food production whatever it might be you need more efficiency and more productivity in systems so that yeah. that's that's the direction of travel but venture capital is full of assholes and actually it's not true I've met some really wonderful people but it's just not it's not nice it doesn't solve that much for that many it's not a natural path for most 95% of startups are not venture backable
1: no um and 95 percent of startups think they are venture backable
0: yeah i would say i would say you're probably right i mean a good it seems to be like almost people think well i've built a business and i can make it grow and therefore i need venture capital medicine no, no 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 just read Powell or understand what vc is and how it works and mm. it's gambling and we only have so many chips and we have investors upstream and you know we've got so many so many bets to place and and they need to be they all need to be potential fund returners. And if you haven't got a venture backable thing and you're not venture backable as a founder, which kind of turns us back to this, I need to hear what I need to hear about founders, not yeah. imposter syndrome and woe is me. Like, no, 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 you're going to kill it. You're gonna yeah. be, I kind of know, but I don't need to know. That's the juxtaposition. But venture capital is is a very specific beast for a very specific purpose that most people don't understand.
1: Do you think uh, it's an addiction? Because you you, well, because you, you said it's gambling, right? Yeah. And of course, doing gambling for professionally essentially is what you're doing. Yeah, but it, it's, it's, you don't get the dopamine hit of,
0: if I do well, I'll know in five, 10 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if, if what I was doing was then, you know, in a week, you know, getting a, getting a hit and, or in a day or, you know, the GG's coming in on the line or whatever it might be, that I think would be an addiction uh so i think it's it's not an addiction i think it's misunderstood i think it's i think it needs to shift i think the whole industry needs to change or other versions which are coming through the other versions of venture inverted commas are coming through but it's not a nice thing it's just not a nice industry it's not nice nothing nice about it it's harsh and this kind of brutality around this gambling nature it's just not it just doesn't sit well with my values is don't really care so why go into it I met a, my business partner who is the most incredible human who's born to be a venture capitalist. You know, he's everything that I'm not, which all good relationships have this kind of mm. geopoly. Mm. And so I want to, you know, put my pants on my head and set them on fire. And he wants to do, build algorithms for a living. And, and he's very structured, legal, polymath brain. He's just an awesome individual. And we were working with a friend and he said, well, let's do it. I said, sure. Because it just felt like a natural evolution. I didn't think about it. I don't, I never think about much. Uh, so I didn't really think about it. I thought, sure. Okay, how much do you need to put in? Well, it's going be half a minute to start. Fine, okay, fine. and we, It kind of just happened. And then we did fun. I was like, mm, don't really like this very much, but I've committed. So I'm going to see this through. And then fun too, like, Okay. <laughs> now, we're, now we've signed up, you know, some big investors and we've signed, we've done, I think, 28 deals so far in three years. About 10 a year. That's wow. right. About 10 a year. Um. And I love the founders that I work with. Most of them, not all of them, most of them like me. Some of them don't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you kind of so I'm in. And you know, what do you look for in a deal? Um, I mean, the fundamental: you can 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 you sell? Do I believe you? And do do they care? Will they buy from you? Can you build a team? Can you build a big business? Do they care? Are there enough of them over there to buy more? And are there, you know, where would you go next? And what secrets do you have? What trends are you leaning into? So it's fairly stock standard stuff, but it all starts with the founding team and the founding team dynamic. And then are they building something that people care about? And then you, then you layer it out into market, but it's team and market. And most of, the, most of the time I say no, it's because I don't buy the founder. Interesting. So most of the problem I, I I am more candid than most even though I can't tell sometimes the full truth because I'm telling you that you either have an ugly baby or you are an ugly baby correct yeah um <laughs> it's very very nice working and that's that's the that's and that's not my place it's only my opinion i you know so you know what do I know who who, who are you so um often that's not my place although I will often say I don't buy you I don't I don't I'm not buying this I'm not
1: buying the how do founders react when you say that because I imagine that would go down like a shit sandwich yeah it's a cup of cold sick yeah but I feel like there's
0: something in the message that they mostly what they tell me to my face is obviously all nice and but what they say behind my back is a different thing and they don't need to they can tell me square to my face and I've had people saying I I don't thank you I don't buy I don't believe you I don't buy it I you know I don't agree in other words and and i love that it's like good good for you because you need to have complete self-belief and you go for it despite me um some people say okay interesting feedback and it's quite painful to take but they're going to take it on board and they're going to work on stuff and i'm working with a guy at the moment who i've said you know that i don't believe you can build a big business and I i don't believe you're the right person for the job um can he then use that hear that more than once because I don't believe in just hearing one piece of it you kind of got to you kind of got to get a sense of it from more people than one source and then there's probably something in it rather than one person's opinion and then can you can you bring that resource in can you get coaching train get consulting into to be the best version of you and then can you bring in co-founder or senior founding team person resource to to fill those gaps and I think if you have the self awareness piece and this kind of inbuilt self belief and this ability to switch it on off, that kind of switch to go, I'm going to sell my grandma on one arm and then on the other, go, okay, I need to listen and learn and take on some coaching advice. If you can do that, I think you're a fighting chance of not only learning the skills whatever you're missing, but also filling the gaps where it's not you and you shouldn't be doing it.
1: I'm I'm kind of interested in how, well, the dynamic of supersede and, and whether you would. Whether you, do you have access to therapists for founders, etc.?
0: No. No. No, it's not something we would broach. It's not our place to do that. Why not? Because we the, the brutality, the commercial brutality of it is, is if you're ready, and part of that is you personally and you commercially, there's a balancing act there. If you're ready and the time is right for the thing, then we're off to the races. This is not a case of... Uh, you're not quite ready, but part of that is personal development and therefore we're going to have some therapists into... Now, that all of that said, I think there is definitely, when I started my first business I had a coach, I, I took on three and the first two didn't work, but the third one did work really well and we're still 25 years late. I, it was his birthday on Thursday and we, I love him and we, he lives in Australia. He's going to come over, we're going to hang out and there is a lot of therapy wrapped into coaching or consulting or mentoring. Mm. And the best support mechanisms I know, the person on the other side of the desk knows which hat to wear. So one day they're a therapist, the next day they're a coach, they're asking you the right questions, and then they're a consultant, just fucking do it. Then they're a mentor, come on, you can do it. And then they can flip these hats. Now that I completely endorse and encourage and we are speaking and working with a number of Non execs, coaches, and whatever is right, but it would never be explicitly a personal therapist. It would always be pseudo wrapped in something else.
1: Interesting. It's really interesting. Um this has been really cool. What a pleasure. Good luck with your series. Well Good luck with your doc. Yeah. So are they all wrapped together? Are you using this in the documentary? Are you how are you gonna not really? Um This is completely different to the documentary, but it's, this is more just, we're actually going to be rebranding this podcast to... Why not, why not combine them? Combine what? Well, your documentary is on fundamental health. Yeah. And you're talking with VCs and founders about mental health. Yeah. We we will, sorry, we will combine, we're doing some behind the scenes and some episodes, etc. so I've got film producers doing that coming in. Um... For example, we had a startup psychologist where you were sat, a guy called Yarev Ganor, um, who was sat there a couple of weeks ago, and we had all the f- camera crew in here, which was pretty cool. Right. But, um, no, I, we're rebranding this podcast away from Vulnerable, because from my perspective, I couldn't quite join the dots with Vulnerable as a brand. because it's, I, would struggle, I
0: would struggle with negative namings.
1: Yeah. That's exactly how I've... I, I started the podcast in quite a, a lull. Yeah. And I actually think it's affected the the kind of branding of the podcast being totally transparent. So we wanna change we're going to change the name to Founders Untold. Okay. And that does sound like a DEI play
0: though. It doesn't sound like a doesn't sound like a mental health. Oh, interesting. That's good feedback. Well, I don't know if it is, but I've always I've always struggled with mental health as a moniker. Because to me it's about mental wellness and mental strength and mental fortitude. So, because um, it's one of those weird phrases like mental health, it's like, where am I going to get to? Some kind of nihilistic state of neutral? No no, 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 This is about understanding that this is okay, this is okay, this is okay. Every, All you need to do is work out where you fit and how you are.
1: Well, Alistair Campbell talks about it as having a jar. Yeah. And each time you go back, you're stuck in a bit of a rut, basically. You go back to this jar, which has all your fundamentals in it. Yeah. Am I filling this jar properly? Yeah. yeah. Am I getting up to the top? And is it full? What do I need to do to get it full? Um, and I don't think, like, mental health is, is a, bit of a bit of a problem for me anyway, from a, a naming perspective. Yeah. I don't, I think if you struggle, you need to know there's hope and options. Yeah um And you cannot wallow for long. Why not? Because you've got you've got to take responsibility for your mental health. Sure, but you're not. You don't want to. You don't want, don't want to at that moment in time. No, that's why you couldn't It's okay to wallow.
0: Okay, okay,
1: but not s- stay there for too long. I don't think. And that's where you've got to have a responsibility piece. You've got to take responsibility because in reality, until you take responsibility for your own mental health, nobody's going to do it for you. No, no. And I think that's how, to your point, like what are the different types of names can we not rebrand really mental health but talk about mental health in a different way? Yeah, which is one of the reasons why I want to rename this podcast because I think that venture and entrepreneurship is going to really turn an interesting corner really soon what do you What do you think is going to happen I, I I just think that um it's going to become more accepted which bit what we've spoken about founders struggling how to package that venture helping and venture being open as well um and i do think we're seeing that i think i think it's lip service interesting
0: i think it's lip service i think it's a, a little bit with the um the diversity a little bit with female founders a little bit with there's there is there is a commercial brut- brutality to venture capital that cannot, yep. cannot, not invest in winners. Yes. And anything that is perceived to not be a complete la 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 clean Ivy League middle-aged white man da 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 da, da pattern match pattern match winner, fuck off with all the best will in the world. So I think there are ways that. Um, that that it can be that it can be improved uh, i just i would fear i would fear for the reality around that
1: and i'm not uh, yeah i'm not trying to sound naive either mm. I appreciate that it does sound slightly naive but equally i think yes venture needs to back winners but equally if venture also doesn't appreciate <laughs> the landscape of what is currently the state of play, which is not a very good state i I, w- I would say in terms of fundamental health then actually the the funds if we can also prove and there is research being done by some very very um interesting people at the moment um, michael freeman in the states you to stephen king's um in london around can you improve fundamental health so that venture can increase its returns even by 1 or 2% which would have such a massive impact on on returns for everybody and can we safeguard fundamental health and talk about it so actually we can see some sort of improved financial return for venture that's really interesting take and it wasn't a, it was only until i came across what you just doing at kings that I was like that makes a lot of sense to me Mm. And there's now something in um in the states by Navid Lalani, who's founder of Pioneer Mind, backed by Silicon Valley Bank, but that is no more, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> no idea, just slightly different yeah. overcoat. But he he's he's done this incredible thing over the last three weeks, which is he's had um he's had over a thousand VCs sign up to the Founder Mental health pledge. Yeah, and. But, All of that virtue signaling in one,
0: in one book, yeah, well
1: done. Exactly, and this was, I was on a panel 10 days ago, uh, last week, with him and about 20 other names in this space, yeah. and I was like, look, this is great, what you've done. Yeah, you've signed up YC, like, Antler, um, Sequoia, etc. But, is this a knee-jerk reaction post-Silicon Valley Bank? Or are we actually going to take any action? I don't know what the action would be. And this is what we need to figure out. Yeah, because I, I promise you as soon as we're sat
0: here that unless you have fund returners in your portfolio, nothing else matters. No.
1: No. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Loving to see you in the real world. I know, I know. Hmm. Um, do you drink whiskey? I gave up booze three years ago. Really? Yeah. Have you got time after this for a, for, a, for? I haven't. I've got a dinner. Motherfucker. We've got uh, our. I'm going go have a whiskey myself. But I'll I'll, I'll come and uh, I'll come and watch you have a whiskey. Cool. <laughs> I used it's to love whiskey.
0: Yeah, I really love. I it. love Lowland P.T. whiskeys like
1: Islay's. I love uh, Japanese whiskey. Oh, I've I've had a few. They were they were yeah. they were interesting. I found out I I was wheat and dairy intolerant. And, you need to be careful of the booze. Yeah, and therefore I gave up uh, beer, gin, wine. Oh. Yeah and now i'm on to kind of whiskey if if you if you're in the mood stop what cu- fully best thing i ever did really
0: yeah yeah if you, if if as and when if as and when you're in the mood
1: just quit the booze how's it affected you
0: uh i don't have the highs and lows i don't have the uh the you know like the monday blues or what yeah, you yeah, know yeah. the 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 uh just clarity uh i f- feel just i feel fitter i'm not i'm 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 a massive addiction when you give up booze you get addicted to sugar because i I was drinking a lot you know and have done in my founder journey and always i've always used it as an unhealthy coping strategy if i'm angry i get wankered and if i'm if i want to take a chill i'll have a glass take an edge off you know Mm. the usual usual and i'm starting to use it as a tool not massively problematic but getting chubby uh than i am and just feeling slovenly and just heavy and, you know, l- drinking on a Friday to, to get over the week and then losing the Saturday at least because I'm not completely mentally sharp. Yes, Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that. And it's just had such a massive impact on my life. Really? Yeah. And then, yeah, just uh, on, on every level, the clarity, the, 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 the lack of, or the, the fewer roller coasters the 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 mental strength and the the capacity and the ability to work harder and do more and just be present with my kids the whole
1: thing i i'm not far away from that i must admit it's a timing
0: thing it took me four attempts to give up booze really i did a month three months a month and then i remember going out it was my friend's stag do we went to the horse races and i and we were going to get absolutely bladdered as you do on a stag do and talk about boobs. And then um, <laughs> I remember buying, I remember I was stood at the bar and I bought a pint of Guinness. I, I used to like a Guinness. Oven. I was not a massive Guinness fan, but I was a big whiskey head and loved red wine. And, and then um, bought this pint of Guinness and I was halfway through it and I put it on the bar and I looked and went, oh, that's my last pint. That's it. I hadn't planned. There was no deep, dark and meaningful. Finished the pint, put it down. and That was
1: it. Literally.
0: Really? Yeah. Three, four, three February's ago. So three and, a, three and a bit years ago. So put it
1: down and go, not for me anymore. I'm done.
0: I love you and I've had such a good time. Never say never. I used to love booze and, you know, it's a great way to get laid and be social and do all the things that, whatever. But nah.
1: Wow, that's amazing. That really is amazing. I did six months recently. Uh, Did six months Uh, three years ago. Okay. But I was. Um, yeah i i actually believe that if i hadn't given up at the stage i did for six months i probably would have taken my life yeah yeah because it it
0: can it can enable you because i do cocaine a friend of mine was big jeans drinks and and started doing too much gear and he got and apparently people who take cocaine with alcohol they get this kind of um uh invincibility feeling Mm -hmm. i can i can kill my like He hung himself like michael hutchins like fuck it i'm off and i'm not convinced had he not been on the gear and the booze, that he would have taken his life. Um, but it's it's just a harsh reality. Sometimes we uh, sometimes we get to those those deeper planes. But I, if you if you if you when the time is right and you're in the mood, just I will do.
1: Just reflect on it. And I think uh, I think it's close. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go and have whiskey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, amazing. That's a wrap.